expect me to be. Today, the title of my message this morning is, How About You? Or What About You? What About You? That's what I call it. And like I said before, I feel like I'm in that middle age group of how long I've been following Jesus, right? Some of you have been following Jesus longer than I've been alive. Some of you will start a relationship with Jesus today, right? I have been following Jesus for 19 years, um, seriously following Jesus for 19 years. I've been coming to church since I was seven. That was 30 years ago, right? I've been at this place, we, were, we came to church. No ifs, ands, buts, no options, baseball uniforms, football uniforms, whether we wanted to or not, we came to church. Amen. Went to all the youth functions, children's church functions. And I was also one of the ones that was very fortunate enough to have a mother that worked at the church. So guess what? When you guys were sitting at the restaurants at lunch, guess where I was? Watching her have conversations right down here. Amen? So when I say how long I've been seriously following Jesus, there's a difference. Because I would sit here and listen to it, but I've only been hearing it for 19 years. Right? There's a difference in listening to something. I can listen to my wife tell me stuff. Ask me to do things. But I never, it never really gets in until I hear her, what she's saying, right? Our little thing is that she'll ask me something, and most of you can guess what my number one response is. Huh? What? And it's not that I'm not listening to her as I didn't hear her. It, it, I, I, I couldn't comprehend it. I had to get, and sometimes when you're trying to talk to each other with a distance, you have to get closer to somebody so you can understand what they're saying. Not only can you, you can also get the gist of what they're saying. Right? Somebody can scream for, for help on the other side of the house, but if you're not close enough to see the expressions on their face, to feel the tone in their voice, you don't know if they're being serious or if they really need help. Right? And so for 19 years I've been following Jesus. And for 19 years, there's been one scripture that still bothers me, still scares me. Not in the sense that I'm scared about my salvation, but it, it, it really, uh, 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 what is it, how is it Jesus put it? It's one of those double-edged swords that pierces me all the way to the marrow in my bones. And it's, and it's this one. And maybe this doesn't scare you as bad as it does me, Right? Or makes me reevaluate my walk with Jesus every time I hear it, read it, somebody else teaches it. And it goes like this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone, not everyone, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. 
On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we performed many miracles in your name. But I, Jesus says, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. This morning, when I'm standing behind that curtain, I ask God, God, am I one of those everyones who can say, Lord, Lord, but has no idea that you have no idea who I am? What would it be like if you guys got home this morning, or this afternoon, husbands, and your wife asked you to go to the grocery store, and you went to the grocery store, when you come back, you walk in and say, look, I got all the groceries you asked for, and she looks at you and goes, who are you? And you go, well, you asked me to go get chicken and lettuce and vegetables and tortillas and seasoning. She goes, I ain't got a clue who you are. Think about, think about that for a minute. Or if you sent your kids to school and you're in the car line to pick your kids back up from school and when you pulled up and you had their little sign in your car that has their name on it and when your kid opens the door and goes, wait a minute, I don't, I don't know you. Who are you? I'm the one that's been with you every day. I birthed you. I taught you how to walk. Taught you how to ride a bike. I don't know you. But Jesus says here, there are go- that it, this is not an if, and, or, this is truth. Jesus says there will be people that stand before him and say, but look at all the cool things I did. And he says, but I don't know who you are. To be one of the ones that has to look at Jesus and say, I carried water. I helped dig the wells. I sponsored that kid. I went to the conferences. I went to 21 days of prayer. I sang on the praise team. I stood in the parking lot. I waved the signs. I volunteered in children's church. I went to serve day after serve day after serve day. And Jesus is going to look at some of us in this room and say, but I don't know who you are. And my prayer is every day, God, I don't want to be one of those. What do I need to do to not be one of those? And then your mind automatically goes to all of the things that we need to do. Maybe I need to be baptized again. Maybe I need to take communion again. Maybe I should serve in the children's church and the youth department. Maybe I should sing and serve. And it all becomes about things that we need to start doing. And Jesus is clear to say, the things that people did is not what matters. It's knowing Him and Him knowing you. Because clearly Jesus says those people knew him, but he didn't didn't say depart from me because you don't know me. He said depart from me because I don't know you. I want to read you something, and this gets taught a pile in church, but I want to read it again today, and it's in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. And Jesus has his disciples together after 
um, miraculous signs and teaching, you know, the normal things that Jesus did, right? And it says that Jesus said, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, watch, some people say you're John the Baptist, some people say you're Elijah, and others say you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them a very pointed question, but who do you say that I am? Now these just aren't people that he met on the Sermon of the Mount. These aren't just people that he would walk through the streets and would, he would, this isn't the people in the crowd when the woman with the issue of blood, that, that, that's not those people. These are his followers, the closest ones to him. The 12 that were with him every day. The ones that he personally called. He's the one that had the intimate conversation with these 12 people to leave their lives behind and follow him. And now this man has the audacity to ask them, who do you say that I am? So let's put this in context of, of, of like where we live right now. What do, who does your pastor say that I am? Because Bishop gets up here and teaches us about Jesus every Sunday. He can tell us who Jesus is. Pastor Joe can get up here on Sundays and Wednesdays and tell us who Jesus is. Pastor Hunter, Pastor Nate in the back with the children, our prayer leaders, right? Amen? Jensen Franklin, T.D. Jakes, whoever it is that you like to watch, your mom, your dad, who do they say that I am? Oh, well, my mom says that you're this, or you're, you're our provider, and you're... You know, you make sure that we're taken care of and you meet our needs. And, oh, well, my dad says you're a healer. And, and, and Jesus says, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Because, see, Bishop's relationship with Jesus is great because he's our leader in here. But at the end of time, when we stand before Jesus, Bishop's relationship with Jesus means nothing to us. What Bishop knows, what I know, when we stand before God, what I know about Jesus doesn't help Hudson at all. Because Jesus looked at his disciples and said, well, who do you say that I am? That's cool what everybody else thinks. But who do you say that I am? What about you? And then Peter goes into, well, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God. And Jesus looks at Peter again and says, nobody has told you that. Man didn't tell you that. Jesus didn't tell him that. He said the Holy Spirit revealed that to you. Sometimes we need to sit down with God and let the Holy Spirit reveal to us what God is trying to get to us and quit always relying on flesh and blood to tell us how we should live, how we should act, where we should go, what we should do, how we should worship, what we should listen to, how we should raise our kids, how we should treat our spouses. No, let the Spirit of God tell you how to follow God. And here's a great thing. Your calling will not supersede the Word of God. 
I can be called to be a minister all day long, but I still have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. How do I know that? Because he said there will be people that will stand there and go, but I was a pastor, but I don't know who you are. You know what else is really amazing and mind-blowing about that? There are preachers that we listen to and form our uh, theology off of and base our relationship with Jesus off of that will stand before Jesus and Jesus say, I don't know who you are. And what are we going to do if that person's in front of us in line and we go, oh my God, I read every one of their books. I did everything they said and they don't even know who Jesus is. Jesus don't know this person. That's why you have to separate flesh and blood from the Spirit of God. Just because a man says it doesn't make it gospel. Unless that man was Jesus himself. We have to quit playing around. See, and, 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 and something challenged me this week too because we, 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 we think that because we're in the church, well, nothing's ever going to happen at church. You guys should turn the news on some. Dr. Mitch talked about some of the churches, the big churches. You guys saw what happened on the news last week at Lakewood, uh, Pastor Joel Osteen's church. This today, I am urging you today, begging you whatever you want to call it, today, make sure that Jesus knows who you are. It doesn't matter if I know who you are or not, make sure that Jesus knows who you are. Because we all live under the same sun we all live under the same moon, evil and good. Just because we have Jesus doesn't make us invincible. What it does is give us eternity. And I think we get disappointed with God a lot because we think that once we pray the altar call prayer, that pixie dust gets sprinkled on our life and everything gets better. When? God must have been out of pixie dust that day. When I walked the aisle. As a matter of fact, Jesus promises us suffering and persecution and hard, bumpy roads. But here's what he says. When you get to the end of that hard, bumpy road, it will all be worth it. When I can stand before God and hear, well done, instead of depart from me. I'll walk through every desert, thorn thistle, briar bush, Hot coals, deep water to hear well done. It doesn't matter what you think about me. You can call me any name. You can pick up any stone. Throw them. Hit me as hard as you can with them. But I have a hope in eternity. My hope's not in tomorrow. My hope's in forever. Amen? I want to tell a joke so bad. Jesus has, teaches us something in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. He says, um, uh, the disciples are asking him about prayer and fasting and teaching. And Jesus says this, 
pray like this after he goes and throughs and after he goes through and tells them how not to pray don't stand out in the city streets and just blabber words like all the people that just that's where they're going to get their reward for the ones that go oh yeah you're super spiritual that's the reward that they get that's not me that's the bible you can get mad at me doesn't matter to me that's what the bible says don't stand out like all the religious people and hoop and holler just because it causes a scene. When they get their pats on the back and the attaboys, that, that's all they're going to get. He says, but instead pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation. Don't let us yield to it. But rescue us from the evil one. And then he adds this caveat at the end of it. Y'all ready for this? Some of you know what this says. But some of us were checking football scores on our phones or something when the pastor reads this. And the reason I'm saying that is because if we got this next verse down in our spirits, we wouldn't have so much church chasms and frictions and divisions and woo, our families wouldn't, oh. Can I read it to you? I'm going to, but I just want to make sure. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But wait a minute. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. You remember Doc said, Bishop said something a couple of weeks ago when he said Jesus didn't die for everybody's sins because if he died for everybody's sins, right? Y'all remember that statement? If you don't, we've got podcast. I'm going to butcher the rest of it. But this is essentially, if Jesus, if Jesus died for everybody's sins, then we'd all be good. Then why does Jesus look at us and say, you need to forgive people when they sin against you? Because if you don't, you won't be forgiven of your sins. And I looked real hard. This Bible's not in like super gigantic print. But I looked for the fine print because mine has these little things at the bottom where it'll tell me what the actual Greek meaning was. Your Bibles have that, don't have that. I look for the Strong's Concordance numbers. I look for the fine lines and wrinkles in it. Nowhere does it say your father will not forgive your sins unless you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. Well, you don't understand. I don't have to. God's the one that said that. And I'm not telling you to get on the phone today when you get home and start going through your phone and calling people from preschool that didn't give you a Valentine's on Valentine's Day and you've been holding it against them. That's not what I'm saying. But you can go home and let stuff go. Did you know it has been scientifically proven that what holding grudges and bitterness and anger inside of you does to you that's outside of the spiritual ramifications of it. Just what it does in your physical body. Some of you aren't sleeping good because you're full of unforgiveness. Some of your marriages, 
Some of your relationships with your children, your spouses, your in-laws, your mothers, is because you're full of hate and unforgiveness. And we love to celebrate Martin Luther King. But he had a quote. Hate don't drive out hate. Only love can do that. Darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. See, we call him Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He was also known as Reverend or Pastor. You, just like we, you can't fight, fight, no matter what kind of clever sayings we come up with, you can't fight fire with fire. You know what happens if you fight fire with fire? You just get a bigger fire. You know how you fight fire? With water or sand. Some of us in our lives are trying to fight fire with gasoline. Because by God, by the time this is over, I'm going to be right. No. And whether we realize we're just burning our families down, we're burning the house down, trying to fight fire with fire. He says, forgive others and you will be forgiven. He nowhere does he say, come to serve day and your sins will be forgiven. As much as we really want you to come to serve day. But if you're coming to serve day to replace what Jesus did on the cross, stay home. It ain't doing any of us any good. Right? If you're a part of small groups and you're trying to replace that connection with other people, with your relationship with Jesus, you're, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Being part of a small group is not going to replace your relationship with Jesus. I wished it did. It would make it easier. But Jesus didn't say, again, depart from me because you don't know who Dr. Mitch is. Cool guy to know. Not going to get me into heaven. Amen? Jesus also makes this statement when he tells us to pray. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus here, uh, 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 whatever is happening in heaven, Jesus has given us his authority to make it happen here on earth. How do we, because he said that. So look at your life, look at your families, look at whatever it is. If, if that's not a representation of what heaven could be like, you have the authority and ability to make it happen. Jesus gave us the authority to call heaven to earth. He wouldn't have told us to pray that way if it not be so. Amen? A.W. Tozer said this, We have learned to live with unholiness and have come to look at it as a normal and expected thing. Look, look, at, look at what normal society looks like now. What they're trying to tell us is normal, right? We were warned at the, in the middle of 2020, normal's gone, and normal went. Look at, look at what they're, again, I know as a youth pastor, right, and leading your children, look at what the world is trying to shove down your children's eye sockets. 
I am going to warn you again as one of the ministers in this house and someone that has been called over the teenagers, if you are not involved in what your teenagers are watching and listening to, you should be ashamed of yourself. Don't blame Jesus for the way. Don't blame the church. You as parents need to be involved in what your kids are watching and listening to for the sake of everything holy. For you, as, for you that have parents of children, I, we preference everything that Hudson watches. And sometimes we miss it. We've gone running through the room with towels to turn off things when commercials come on, right? Because I'm not ready to have the conversation with my eight or nine-year-old yet about, Daddy, what's a boy and what's a girl? That's, we're not doing that mess. You guys, ha- we, we, we have to get back to us parenting our children and not the Disney Channel. If we continue to let the world raise our children, what can we expect our children to turn out like? The Bible says, train up a child in the way it should go. What way do you want your children to go? Amen? Preaching to myself. I done got hot up here. I would take this vest off, but I look like a lumberjack lollipop. I'm not doing it today. There's my joke. I got one in today. We have learned to live with unholiness and have come to look at it as normal and expected. That's just how the world is today. Amen? And what I get afraid of, what I get afraid of is those of us that are following, and it doesn't matter if you've never followed Jesus, if you've been following him for 20 years or 45 years, right? After Jesus gets done talking about, let every, not everyone that calls out to me, Lord, Lord, he goes on and says this, But anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. That means smart, right? Actually, that goes beyond just being smart. They're like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though it rain comes and it torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Some of you guys, some of us sitting in this room, we need to build a foundation. And we read this scripture and we think this is only for new Christians. Some of us that have been following Jesus for a while, we need to check our foundation. And make sure that it's still built on bedrock. And that we haven't built a foundation on sand, right? Because the Bible never does, he never says in here how quick it will collapse. He just said if it's not, if your foundation's not right, eventually it will. Unless it's built on this bedrock of Christ. I told you again, we have somewhere that God is trying to get us to. We have things we have to cross over. We have things we have to step into. But I've learned this from my days of growing up in rural southeast Alabama, when you get ready to cross water, you can skip the water, but if you don't make sure what the ground is like on the other side, 
you can sink and get stuck. Make sure that the foundation is there. That wherever you put your feet is solid ground. How do we do that? Let faith go before you. Right? The Bible says he's a way maker. That Jesus makes a way where there is no way. As long as Jesus is before me, who can be against me? So when I take those steps, when I make those leaps, when I make those bounds, my footing can be solid. Because I know who my Savior is, and He knows me. Right? He says, look, look at the lilies of the field. Look how pretty they are. If I've made flowers that pretty, that are here today, will be gone tomorrow, don't you think that I'll make you that pretty? I'm paraphrasing. Then he says, look at the, look at the sparrows in the, in the sky. They never worry about what they're going to eat. They don't lay out worms for tomorrow, but yet, they're going to be taken care of. And God says, if I'll do that for wildflowers... Now look again, wildflowers and the flowers that come in pots and stuff, they're different. The flowers in your flower beds, right, they're, they're put there on purpose. They're cultivated, they're planted in the exact uh, distances from each other. They have to get a, a, a certain amount of sunlight, they have to get a certain amount of watering to live, right? You have to cover them, pull the weeds out. To keep those, are, those are flowers that you plant. Wildflowers just grow. No rhyme, no reason, no purpose. Look, and God says, he's not even talking about flower bed flowers. The Bible says he's talking about wildflowers. They just grow. They fall off of animals' fur, out of their poop. The seeds are spread any which way they can be. But look, Jesus said, God said, if I'll take care of even those flowers, how much more will I take care of you? And he picked a sparrow aggravating poop all over your cars you guys know which ones i'm talking about now and god said but even they don't have to lay worms out for to, for the for the next day so if i care enough about them wildflowers who people are going to mow down spray with roundup get rid of right they're going to cause you to have allergies and all that kind of stuff if i'll take care of those flowers and those stinking little birds how much more will i take care of you I'm about to be done. I, I, I want to read you. I, I, I want to I, I say something else that, that God said to me this morning as I was getting ready. Sometimes when I look at the, at the world and the state of the church, right? Not just our church, but the church as a whole. I don't know if you guys remember years and years ago, there became this battle in the church between being religious and not being religious. And what we did was, as part of the church, got so religious about not being religious. Right? And then you've got the, the crowd that stayed firm on being religious and doing the things. And what happens is, is we get so caught up in those things that we make the things we do our relationship. We replace the things that we do, our traditions as Christians, and we let them take the place of our relationship with God. I had a conversation with some people this past week, 
and we, 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 that we were discussing people's character. And this is the conversation that, oh, yeah, they're a good God. They go to church. And then I was watching them talk about the news of what happened in Lakewood Church, right? That dude went to church. He was there that morning. Watch this. Jesus washed Judas' feet. See, we, we, have, we, have made, we have made the things that we do be more important than the relationship that we have. Oh, well, I go to church. I take my kids to church. And Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Or better yet, do I know you? What if Jesus stood out there? What is, uh, Kirsten sent me a, a video. No, I'm sorry, that's not the one she sent me. I found this video of this guy saying this. He said, he said, he said, hey, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Those are just kind of things that make you perk up a little bit. If you were on trial for being a Jesus follower, would there be enough evidence to convict you for it? And if I can be honest with you, I had to think about that for a minute. Because I'm... Even preparing for this, my first thought was, I'm at church every Sunday and Wednesday. Of course, exhibit one. Right? I serve, I work, I've, I've got a title. And the most humbling thing is when Jesus says, guess what, that title is wood, hay, and stubble. The only thing that lasts is my relationship with him. Amen? And sometimes we, we, we have to be real with, we, again, I said this a couple of weeks ago, we want God to be real with us, are we willing to be real with God? Are we willing to look at our reflection in the Jordan River and go, yep, there's some things I got to cut away? If God's told you to cross the Red Sea, are you willing to stand there at the shore until you see it split? Is your relationship with Jesus strong enough to say, I'll stand here for years if I have to? Right? Is our relationship with Jesus strong enough to say, you know what, no matter how he or she treats me, we are connected together with God and we're going to make it. If I have to stand here until my feet rot off, I am going to stand here. The Bible says, he teaches us, when you've done all you can do to stand, what should we do? Stand. Is our relationship with Jesus strong enough to know that he's going to make a way. Is our relationship with Jesus strong enough to know? I'm not one of the ones he's talking about here. But I have a responsibility to make sure that person sitting beside me is also not one of those people that have to hear, I don't know who you are. Amen? And again, like I said, we get caught up, so caught up in the traditions of the things that we do. The Bible's very clear. Jesus' blood is the only thing that saves us. It's our faith in him. For example, I don't, I don't know how much time you guys spend on social media or watching. There's, we, we have gotten into, as the church, as Christian people now, arguing about what you have to do to be saved. This is what Peter, I mean, what Paul talked about when he says, look, we're not talking about childish stuff no more. We're going to move on. That's milk. That kind of stuff's milk. 
We need to get and start chewing on meat. But here again, we've got people arguing whether you have to be or you don't have to be. Well, the guy on the cross of Jesus wasn't. So what is this? Jesus was baptized, so we should have to be baptized. So are we honestly going to believe that Jesus had to be baptized? And baptism is just an example, right? There's baptizing. There's all the extra stuff that comes along with it. And people will use the example that he says in Acts chapter 2, verse, 30, verse 38. When he says this, um, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Now I'm going to say something. And I want everybody to take this as using an example of what I'm talking about, right? If you have a headache, we're going to use Tylenol as an example, so tell Bishop not to get mad at me. How many of you take a Tylenol to get a headache? Oh yeah, nobody. Good. We all got brains in our head. But how many of us would take a Tylenol because we have a headache? So that word there when Peter says that we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, that word is translated to because of. Nobody takes Tylenol to get a headache. Same way we don't get baptized or take communion or do any of those things to receive salvation. We do those things because we've received salvation. We just had baptism last week and I, I, I felt the need to clear that up for some people. Right? Because again, you can run against flesh and blood that want to have control over the Word of God and they'll teach you a bunch of stupid things and derail your relationship with Christ over something stupid. Because I remember asking some of the grown men in my family, when did you get saved? Oh, I got baptized when I was about five or six. When did you start following Jesus? Oh, I, I, I got baptized when I was about 12. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. When did we lay our lives at the foot of the cross, right? has nothing to do with the things that we do. It's about being who we're called to be. Who are we called to be? Those that lay our lives down at the foot of the cross so that I can look at Jesus and go, I know you, and him say, and I know you. So my question to you today is, what about you? Who do you say that Jesus is? Amen? I'm going to ask two questions before we go home today. And my first one is this. If you would say, Pastor, I heard the things that you said. And they spoke to me. And I've never done this thing that you keep talking about starting a relationship with Jesus. And I want to do that today. I want to make sure that when I leave here that my life is right with Christ. That Jesus can look at me and say, hey, I know you. If everyone will close your eyes and bow your heads. If that's you, if, that's, if you would say, Pastor, I want to make sure that the day before I leave that Jesus knows who I am. If you'll raise your hand, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you down front, embarrass you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you guys for your hands. Is there anybody else? Again, I'm just going to pray for you. Make sure we're all good. We want to make sure that Jesus knows you. The book of Romans, Paul teaches us that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. That's all we have to do is believe. All the other stuff is just stuff that we do to show people that we're saved. Cool. My second question is this. If you would say, Pastor Hunter, at some point in life I started a relationship with Jesus, but somehow, way, I failed, I've slipped away, I've walked away, whatever the circumstance is, and I want to make sure today that my life is right with God, that Jesus knows 
who I am. If that's you, if you'll raise your hand too, gonna pray the same thing. I just want to pray for you too. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for your hands. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> You guys can put your hands down and, and, and look at me. The Bible says that when someone comes to Christ or comes back to Christ, that all of heaven rejoices. Right? But watch this. Not, not just the angels rejoice, but the Bible says all of heaven rejoices. That means the saints that have passed on before us. That means that all of the people. That also means that God our Father rejoices in heaven when someone comes to Christ. Amen. So before we even pray, let's go ahead and give those people that have made the decision to follow Christ a hand and rejoice with heaven. If you guys will stand up, I want to pray just like I said. And I'm going to reiterate the words the bishop says. It's not important that you hear me pray, that you hear the person around you pray. The most important thing in the world is that you hear yourself make this confession. Is that cool? Let's pray. Father God, here I am. And I am here to say that I am sorry. Please forgive me where I have failed you and sinned against you and sinned against others. Help me forgive those that have wronged me. God, I believe that Jesus is your son, that he came, he died, and he rose again, and that he's coming back. And I believe that my future is secure in him. And I believe that I will spend eternity with you in heaven. God, help me bring heaven to earth. In your name I pray, amen. Awesome. For all of us, for all of us that have been following God for a long time, or for those of us that just started today, now Jesus knows who we are. Amen? Awesome. Thank you, guys.